0: Hello and welcome back to the Miss Amanda Chen Show. We're now in season three of the 100 Masked Men series where I anonymously interview different men from all walks of life about self-identity, self-worth, and self-love. This week is the season finale and I'm finishing off our third quarter of the series with another stranger who dared to take the risk and live life on his own terms. Masked Man number 75 is the Black Sheep. As the oldest in a household of seven siblings, his decision to jump on a one-way ticket to Vancouver set the stage for his journey into the south. In this episode, we discuss checking our egos when we have to return to a conversation we didn't really handle that well the first time. And it made me start to think about how much we always come back to something that already happened and try to repair the situation. Can we start having conversations and set intentions and expectations before things have to go south? And if you know how much I love using analogies, this episode, we talk about making a sandwich and general ways around asking about making a sandwich or making a sandwich for someone and setting expectations and wanting that person to enjoy your sandwich, et cetera. It gets really fun. (laughs) Let's get into it. I hope you enjoy the show.
1: In Toronto, there are amazing opportunities so much to get from but when it comes to the art specifically and black people it was roughly the same kind of auditions and it felt very stagnant and the kind of roles I wanted to get into Vancouver had more of those so I went on holidays and I was supposed to head back to Toronto and on the last day I switched my flight. I'm like Let's go to Vancouver, see what happens. So and it's been a bittersweet experience, but probably one of the best decisions I have made in terms of moving my career forward.
0: Cool. Where where did you go on holidays? How long ago was that?
1: This was 2016, December of 2016. My family and I went to Cameroon and we were there for our grandma's birthday. Mm -hmm. And um, it was absolutely bliss. And I think within that time, there there was a lot of self-growth in terms of better understanding of what I wanted and what I needed to do to achieve that. And within that realm, I think that decision came into play. Also because every single person was talking about the kind of roles that are out in Vancouver and Vancouver having more work Toronto. So I'm like, you know what? Let's test it out. And we just on a whim, just gone.
0: So, did the rest of your family go back to Toronto and then you just went by yourself?
1: They didn't know I I went straight to Vancouver. They found out, I think, (laughs) when they got home and I wasn't around. And and they're like, where are you? And I'm like, yeah, uh, I'm in Vancouver right now
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and I'm going to be here for a while. And they're like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah. Uh, So, We've just been smooth sailing ever since. They do worry, though, because I'm the only one. I'd like There's no cousins. There's no family members. All I have I, is friends. And luckily for me, it's friends from Toronto. Mm-hmm.
0: Are yeah. you an only child or do you have siblings?
1: No. I am the eldest of seven siblings. Wow. After me, you have triplets and then a sister and then a brother and then another sister.
0: Was there any stigma of being the oldest man in the household and like needing to set an example, you know, and then if you were kind of irresponsible traveling around, was there some tension there?
1: I, like anyone who's grown up in an African household, it is rare for that to not be an issue because with within, the, I would not speak much for other African cultures, but for the majority of them and specifically for Cameroon. The firstborn, male or female, usually is the straight, like just straight path,
2: Mm -hmm. right?
1: Make sure everyone is well sorted. And if you're a male, it's even much more important because you are technically the successor. That's not my role. I kind of push that down (laughs) to one of my youngest. In that sense, within not just my own immediate family, cousins, all of that kind of stuff, all the firstborns, for the most part, I've been male mm-hmm. and the person has been on a straight, just a straight path. And I'm the guy who, when I go back on holidays, they're like, they're like what do you do? Like I'm an actor. And everyone's like, ooh, well, no, no. Then you ask everybody else, study law, study IT or some something which is again, tangible. So yes, there is a big thing. And to break out of that, you have to kind of think in a way, stand your ground. And that will come off as disrespectful in a lot of the African cultures, but we've all been westernized. So it's,
0: it's <laughs> I know. And I like that you said it's disrespectful because it's like, how dare you choose to live yeah. your own life? You know what I mean? And it's like, wait, how dare you tell me to have to live your life or your version of my life? And I think it's easier to stay in convenience or comfort or the known, right? It's it's the unknown and the uncertainty that's the scary part. And, you know, I think why would anyone choose to do that? You know, because when I, I recently just came home for a little bit uh, from Mexico and my mom was just really offended. She was kind of like, I left that world where you would bathe yourself with a bucket, where there's like no four-ply toilet paper, you know, like why would you leave everything that we built up here you know this fancy toronto condo living owning your own business and and what we believe is like fancy fly you know this is this is the ideal idea of success to living on a dirt road you know in the middle of nowhere why would you choose that and i i believe that's natural you know and i think when you resist something it will persist. It will continue to ca- to happen, right? So, when the more my parents were pushing me away from that simplicity of life, and unnatural, you know, to to live in this machine world where you kind of are just a peg in everything, and my continuous continuous resistance from that until now, we're here, and I am like so so far away, you know. How was that experience like with you in, in the in the kind of pushing and pulling and, and resistance, and and was there a big factor with you, with your family?
1: It it is definitely one of those things where not just your parents but your uncles, your aunts, everybody else kind of jumps into the conversation. You <laughs> have prior to most likely twenty five, I kind of kept things internally, and then I think since I moved to Vancouver, there's been a certain boldness in terms of like being much more outspoken. Maybe it's just nature. Maybe. It's- <laughs> is the way people think but what I kind of made in terms of like approaching that simplicity is having a blend because no matter what there is ways to blend the advancements of society with the simplicity of what life as natural as it gets can give to you how you use it is what matters right not just locked in on a screen, not just locked into technology, but taking that time to go back into nature to kind of like, and I think with my family background, yes, they left all of that to be part of this new world Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And having to go back is kind of weird. But in 2016, when I went home, it was such an interesting time because I felt alive because all of the things that we were Moving away from kind of made sense in terms of like you live your life simply you don't have any worry, no stress.
2: Yeah.
1: To be able to adapt in our current society, we have to think parallel thoughts all the time. In what is gonna do we have to work to make money to do this? You know, everything has to go hand in hand to be able to give us that fancy life. But on the back end of that fancy life, when you question who you are, what you've achieved, do you find some sort of positivity? Do you find calm? Do you find peace? And in that sense, it's a yes and no, at least for me, right? Because there's nights which I will not sleep, I have to worry about this and this and this and this and this to keep up with. But the moment I get out of the country and I go home, it's like, oh, just go to a farm, grab Mm -hmm. a fruit, you know, meet your friends hang out just relax you know and i see my parents when they go home they are the most relaxed but i don't think i don't think they've clocked in yeah yet that that is what they want
0: Mm -hmm. i think we look at that as like a vacation you know it's like oh okay i'm gonna spend like a week here two weeks three weeks tops you know but then you got to go back to reality and you got to do everything all over again, right?
1: But if you move all of that, it's crazy because um, when I was 21, I watched a video from Alan Watts, Money Never Sleeps. And the whole purpose of of that entire like short, I wouldn't even call it a PSA, was like, what do you want if money was no object? Mm -hmm. And that has stayed with me for a very long time. It's like, what do you want if money was no object? Right? And when you start clocking it, because his whole point is, once you decide what you want, you work for it, you have a passion for it, and you keep working at it, you become a master at it, and then you get a fee appropriate to your mastery level.
2: Mm-hmm. By
1: the end of the day, you were doing exactly what you feel at peace with, right? So with the Western world, I've always sort of kind of looked for options on how I could get everything I strive for here home where I'm able to do and live because reality check would be once you get home there's not much you could do in terms of opportunities because it's not available which is why people come here now if you could come here grasp all of that knowledge are you able to create at home Mm. right so I think that's where I'm at in, in terms of like my way of thinking when it comes to like the both sides of the world. And I every immigrant child, I think, goes through that same thought. Culture versus both kinds of cultures and how to blend them in. Which side do you pick? And how can you live with both or have to pick one and live without the other?
0: So I think it's interesting when you move to Vancouver, you're kind of like, no, I'm just going to try this and just take a, a flight in. And you didn't tell your parents about this. And this is the same thing. Like, I knew that I would be stuck Outside of Canada with the the ban on travel. So I left knowing that that was the case. And I was like, well, I'm gone at least until April. So I know I was gone for at least a month and a bit. And then we were really locked out until like uh, half of the year. And I remember not telling my parents. I was kind of like, well, who knows? (laughs) Maybe they'll let me back in or maybe they won't. I had a ticket for 10 days that just left, you know, That, Mm -hmm. that ticket got canceled. And then I was just stuck in Mexico. And I think. When you're alone, this is where the real learning happens. So what was your journey like in Vancouver going there by yourself? You did have some career path that you wanted to go, but you know your personal development, like what were some magical moments in being in Vancouver by yourself?
1: When I got here, it's very different from Toronto. If anyone has ever left Toronto or a city like Toronto to come to Vancouver, it's a lot more slower. People take their time. And for the first few months, I got really, really pissed. Because in Toronto, I'm all about go, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle. Mm -hmm. Even on the sidewalk, even in the car, people are moving at a faster pace. Right? And then I come here and everyone's like, just relax, bro, just chill. My brain had to reconfigure like a new thought. I remember for the first two years, I didn't go to the beach or do any hiking stuff. None of that.
0: For a right. whole two years?
1: No for outdoors? Whole two years. Wow. Whole two years. Even do it doing, like, this year is my first summer in Vancouver. Really? Yeah, because when the summer hits, I just, I just did.
2: <laughs> Where did you like, go? I'm,
1: I go backpacking for four or five months throughout the summer, right? And I just go do my own thing. So it's only as a reason when you start thinking about what, the space has to offer and accepting that space. I started going on hikes and I realized how relaxing that was in terms of like minus. Pre- I started meditating, understanding that that's very important for calmness. Started taking time to just go sit on the beach and just watch the waves, watch the sunsets and realizing what it does to your in- internal systems, right? So that by the time I get home, it's like, Whatever stress I had from the beginning of the day is gone. It's mm-hmm. all gone. And it's like you just go to sleep, watch a movie, and then wake up and it's like, good morning, God, good morning, universe, good morning, blah, blah, blah. Let's tackle it. Which I had never done in Toronto.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. Never done that in Toronto. It was so refreshing. And the air here is so clean. So you, I think you think way better. Like you process things a lot better than <laughs> being here. But this space, what it has done specifically has kind of grounded me in my own thoughts, grounded me in terms of like a new perspective. And then you add traveling to that. It kind of created a whole new understanding of people and understanding of adaptability to places, mm-hmm.
2: right?
1: The people here is still kind of like, off for me, just because they have a different way of interacting. But I'm learning to not pay heed to that, and just letting things just be.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think me starting to go with the flow started from here. Okay, you know, it's been brewing for years through traveling, but it got solidified even more here because people here they just go with the flow, for the most part.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was interesting to me at the very least. So yeah. There's been a beautiful growth process, just being out here and being part of that universal calm energy, which I think Vancouver, BC in general, offers a lot of. I hear people go to the mountains and just chill there for days and relax, they not camping.
0: Yeah, there's so many times where I'm like, oh, I hate this place, like places that I travel to. And I'm like, oh, I hate this place because whatever reason just was inconvenient for me. And then I'll go again. And I have changed now. That place hasn't changed. And I'll go back and I'll be like, oh, I like it now. Or maybe I don't like it anymore when I used to like it. And that just shows how much growth needs to happen within you. Like that environment can't do anything. It can amplify, like you said, but other it has to begin with you to, to make that decision if you're going to let the naturalness of this environment affect you in the way that it has the potential to, right?
1: Mm -hmm. and that goes with interacting with people Mm -hmm. right Like I feel like every single thing around us it's all connected and it's all connected and how we process it again comes internally right how you adapt to environments can be the same way how you adapt to people's personalities and having a better understanding of those people I had a beautiful conversation with a friend a couple of days ago And on that conversation, the whole basis of it was you get to choose what affects you,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. right? You could either choose to sit in it and emotionally be controlled by it, or you could have your own thought process on how you want whatever it is to affect you. And for the most part, when something is, I've grown to understand that when something is not positive for me, with people or with the environment, I take a step back, quick step back. And I reassess how I look at all of that. You know, I could go at it from a different angle because maybe I came at it the first time around with either too much expectations or too low expectations, Mm -hmm. a place of either being pissed off or anger. So once you take a step back and look at it from from a larger point of view, you're like, huh. This person is the way that he is because of blah, 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 right? And for you, you understand yourself better. Okay, I could now adapt to it based on blah, 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 right? Mm -hmm. And it takes, like, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. We are constantly working on this, whatever it is that we want to be. We are constantly working on it. Mm
0: -hmm. So I think that a lot of us recognize that we have awareness of it. Some, some maybe more or less, but you know that you have put some kind of expectation to something. You know that you are amplifying it to be more upset about something that someone said or did. And you know, it's all about you. Mm -hmm. What I'm curious about is do you, after you've reflected and realized it's all about yourself and that you're like, oh, I came around with this expectation or had this thought and I felt this way. And then I projected it to this person. Do you have that conversation with them after the fact and redo the conversation oh yeah because I think a lot of people won't right they'll just be like it already happened I'm not gonna bother so how do you get back into that conversation and recheck in because a lot of the times we're just like oh it already happened I'm never gonna touch that again maybe do better next time but that's it
1: that is ego right Mm -hmm. like we don't get back into those conversations because of ego or because of pride, or because of whatever it is that we think that we're bigger than ourselves. I have a friend who we consider him Jesus.
2: (laughs) Okay, why?
1: (laughs) Because he has this love, and this hope, and this for everything, and this excitement for everything. And I've grown a lot through meeting him as well. When I get mad at somebody, I hate being mad. So when I see myself get mad at somebody, I step away. Chill the hell out
2: mm. and
1: then come back. I know we had a little bit of this, 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 this. And this is why I felt this, 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 this. But you need to understand where I'm coming from. Or you could let me help me understand where you're coming from. If I the moment I take too long to get back into that conversation, it's done. Now we have two people with different perspectives about a situation, right? And most of the time that perspective comes from assumption or lack of communication. Mm -hmm. and that applies across the board to all relationships and these are things i'm constantly working on is how can i be much more clearer in my communication and have less of an assumption towards a lot of things if i don't understand anything just ask yes you might look stupid but it's better to ask and look stupid than to assume and look even more stupid and this particular thought process came from reading the Four Agreements during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I had a little clap on my hands
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> during, during the pandemic. And from there, going back to our previous conversation with parents and how I tackle a lot of things, I started seeing why they are the way they are. I started seeing why they speak the way they do. And I started seeing that every single time I don't need to entertain every single thing that is being said to me, right? Because all of that was from their assumption of what I was either doing or what I could have done. Or, you know, with with ethnic families, they compare their kids to a lot of other kids and stuff like that. They're like, why can't you be that? Blah, blah blah. And I started seeing where all of that was coming from. Like, I can't allow that to affect me. So I do thank the universe in terms of like bringing that book. And every book I've read so far has come to me at the very right time. And that book came at a very beautiful time because right after I read that book, not even long after that, like two three weeks after that, we had a whole family meeting. All my, all my siblings were home and everyone was very expressive of like their thoughts about situations and all of that kind of stuff, right? And it was so interesting because I it made more sense, mm-hmm. right? And as soon as I left Toronto, mid, I think this was July, I went back back in for four months through Europe. And I started seeing all these little nuances, why people think the way they think, why the Dutch think the way they think is also awesome. like almost every society has a certain level of unison in terms of how they move around or how they talk. I'm like, all right, so when I go back to Canada and I meet a and I meet someone who came from that background, I can't even get pissed at them because I'm like, ah. This makes sense, right? So I have to approach it from a different way. I have to approach our conversations with it, like standpoint, which will make sense to both of us.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think, think... Yeah, you got to really make that switch. And I think that's a lot that goes into my podcast because originally I was just like, you need to understand what I'm thinking, you know, or how I feel. And I just did not engage in the other side. And then I had to realize... Like I need to learn where the other is coming from in order to speak differently. So I make this joke where I like had to learn how to speak, dude. You know, and <laughs> if you come from another place, you're like, how do I speak? I have to speak like an alien, right? Because otherwise, you're just it's it's never going across, and then both of you are yeah. frustrated, right?
1: Communication, as much as uh, people make it simple, is actually hard to 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 maintain. It's again, it's all internal in terms of. We want to put ourselves first
2: mm-hmm.
1: all the time. And it's like you need sometimes. I'm a very, very like pushy person, sometimes very assertive. And I've grown up with a lot of pride and ego.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I've had to like retrack a lot of things. I said, like, uh, I'm, I'm on a human, I still have most of those. But what I do have, even on top of that, is more awareness. And awareness is such a, like, you have to be conscious and being very present, right? It's better to listen than to talk all the time. I'm a very talkative person. And I, people talk about it all the time. I'm like, I just talk because I'm happy. But when I get home, I'm like, huh, maybe I should have just stayed quiet and just listen. I would have gone all that information better.
0: Is there an example of a pattern that you have where it's like, you can catch yourself every time that like you pride and ego? happens when you talk to the opposite sex?
1: When I uh, (laughs) I talk to the opposite sex? Depending on the intention of the conversation, for the most part, half the time, I'm so focused on what I want out of it that I don't listen until something negative or something goes wrong and I go home and I'm like, hold on, I'm a dummy, right? Mm -hmm. because exactly what they were saying. But because I was so focused on trying to get a point across, would try to direct the conversation towards a certain path, it just went snowballing from there. Mm -hmm. And it it happens all the time. Like, don't get me like, it's not something. And I have to literally come home and rethink. This friend of mine who we call call Hope or whatever, he journals a lot of his days like almost everything day, he journals, the conversations he's had, and how he looks at it and he reviews the everything. So I I kind of stopped and I wanna get back into it where it's like, before I stopped, I used to sit back and reflect on my entire day, my interactions with people and how I could do better. And I stopped midway through, I don't know why, but with this conversation, it's clicking back that I, I need to get back into it, but yes, Almost every single conversation, I have to check myself all the time. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is like my work on self mastery and self awareness. And it is hard. It Mm -hmm. is very hard. And I have to constantly work on it. Mm -hmm. But yeah.
0: So this is an interesting question for you so when you're talking to the opposite sex you have an outcome in mind whatever the intention is and usually the intention I think is just to be understood like you wanted to get your point across right so you're just like okay listen to me I need to finish my sentence so like you just get it all out of my head and then I want you to confirm that you understand and are on the same page and then we're good and then at any point <laughs> any point in time it doesn't work out you're like shit like you're stuck there but you don't have that when you have conversations with people of the same sex? Am I right? Or do you you have an outcome that you want?
1: I think even with the same sex, again, it all depends on what you're trying to get. Because let's say, for example, we are talking about you are trying to, for me, I'm trying to pursue a particular female, Mm. right? And I'm trying to get her out on a date or something. There is an intention there. Okay right? And if she's busy, whatever. The only thing that's in my mind is, how can we make this work? Right? And sometimes a lot of guys lose traction of when a female is not interested and they're trying to be nice. This is where they lose track of what that niceness is
2: Mm.
1: and not paying attention. And this is just a primary example, which I've gotten as of late a lot. And I just had this conversation yesterday with a female friend where she's like, it's like, they're not listening. Yeah. They just, you know, and, <laughs> and I'm lucky I grew up with, with, with a lot of females around me because it's, it's clocked in over the years where I need to know when to quit. <laughs> but if it's a whole different conversation with my female friends who are very close to me, it's gonna be the same kind of thought process with male friends with the opposite sex, whatever, it's the same, right? and being present so now what I guess I have to constantly work on is how to be present in listening even during moments where I'm trying to pursue things romantically or have an intention which benefits me
2: Mm
1: -hmm. right because when people don't listen the majority of the time is when there's something to be to be self-benefited from
0: yeah and that's what I mean by like you know, if, if you're talking to other male friends, you're not trying to benefit from them. Like if they agree or disagree with you, it doesn't matter. Right. You're like, so whatever your intention is just to share the story. Right. But when you're talking to someone of interest, you, you want something out of that. And then that becomes a conditional conversation, you know, and it's based on the assumption that you're going to get it.
2: Again, again. Right.
0: And if you don't get it, you just have to try harder. You know what I mean? And and then you objectify this human, you know, into like something that needs to, to be had, right? Because you're like, this needs to be, I'm this needs to be an example of me successfully pursuing something. Right. And it goes back.
1: To- now, do you would that only apply if it's the opposite sex? Because it could also apply to someone in power if you're trying to get something from them. Mm -hmm. it could apply even to your parents it could I think that statement could apply to pretty much anybody that you think you can benefit from right obviously from a male gaze to a female there's a sense of power that plays into it Mm -hmm. and from the male perspective sometimes we're going to use that
2: Mm -hmm.
1: right this comes from undermining someone lower than you's opinion yeah so yes when it comes to if there's an imbalance of power you will always for the most part be much more concerned about what your outcome wants to be and what the other person is feeling or what they're saying to you Mm -hmm. right so yes yes because like
0: if i think like you're talking to your parents maybe you want permission to go out you know and then you disobey them right like you can get away with that if you're talking to a potential boss employer or something, it doesn't work out, you go, you get rejected, you go pursue another employer boss job, right? When it's a romantic interest, you know, I think it's, it's more possessive. And yeah. I started to think of like, how many proposals do we watch? You know, some beautiful proposals happen. And, you know, yes, technically the woman has the final say with yes or no. But when she says no, she gets punished. You know, it's like, oh, how dare you? You're like the worst person in the world, or whatever. It's it's never just like, oh, I I just took no for the for the no. And also like, why did it have to be this grand gesture of mm-hmm. acceptance, you know?
1: The reaction from the other line mm-hmm. comes from ego, comes from pride, right? And not a lot of people are aware of that internal little emotion that creeps in. But I think we're starting to get a lot more and more progressive in terms of how we handle situations. I could definitely say within my circle of friends, we have these conversations all the time. And because we have such beautiful females in our midst that we also have these conversations with, we've been able to have a better understanding of the female perspective in those scenarios, like proposal scenarios or asking somebody out. Toronto is very known for dudes flipping when a girl says no. And that's our like street shtick. Yeah. Right. I've worked in clubs for a better half of my life, and I see it all the time where a guy literally goes it, When a girl is like, just no. And he goes off and he's like, yo, like all of this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you take that. This that is literally all ego and pride. Right. And that's an internal thing. And From the other side, from the female perspective, you can't even entertain them, you know, because it's not even you at this point. That's on them. That's a a thing happening within their own psyche.
0: Mm -hmm. That's so noticeable because anger is so visual, right? But we want validation for everything that we do all the time. So like on the flip side, if I wanted a, a man's attention for something, maybe I might make him a sandwich. And if he doesn't say thank you or like is appreciative of it or whatever, I would be offended about that. And I would maybe give him the silent treatment. I would just do a different version of of showing that ego, right? It's just louder if it's a guy that's like, you know, shouting and whatever.
1: See, okay, with what you just said, right? Because you made a point which I've had this conversation with my female friends where it's like. You know what you're feeling. You know what to expect. You make a sandwich, all the person has to say thank you or be appreciated, Mm -hmm. right? And they don't. So you feel anger. you feel reserved and you pull back. I'm like, will it be much more positive if you actually have that conversation about how you're feeling about the reaction than to keep it all within?
0: So, yeah, 100%. But I think that's just a way to fix the situation because it's already happened, right? I decided that you were going to enjoy my sandwich. How dare I decide that you're going to enjoy my sandwich and then be upset when you didn't enjoy it? Maybe you already ate and you're just like, look, I I can't add anything more right now, but I'll, I'll enjoy the sandwich another day. And you're just like, well, what the fuck, right? Like today I'm giving you a sandwich. You didn't accept it. Like I'm really offended. That's It's unreasonable at this point, but if I wanted to, before I even started making the sandwich, talk to you and say, hey, I want to make a sandwich and I, I would like to give it to you. Is this something that works out? And no one has that pre-conversation. We have mm-hmm. it at the point where I'm already half making it. And then you're just like, dude, I'm not hungry. And then I'm like, well, too bad, you know, and then it's either that and I force it on you or I get rejected afterwards. Right. There is nothing that we do in the in the forefront.
1: I think. So we, we look at the sandwich from three different perspectives. You make a sandwich and you expect whoever is eating the sandwich to be appreciative. And this is like you went on a tangent to make the sandwich, right?
2: Yes. <laughs> or
1: the person asked you to make a sandwich. You made the sandwich and they were not appreciated. Mm-hmm. Or midway through, you asked them if they would like a sandwich and they said yes, and you made the sandwich. Those are three different scenarios, mm-hmm. right? And Within the first two, the outcome, sorry, the, f- the first and last one, the outcome will be roughly what you just said in terms of like, internally, you feel disrespected by.
2: Yeah.
1: And however you feel, that's on you, right? hmm feel, that's on you. Now, where the expectation is going to fall into place is if that person comes inside, and it's like, can you make me a sandwich? And you make the sandwich, and then he doesn't even say thank you. She doesn't even say thank you. Yeah. I would definitely have that conversation. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll be like, I made you a sandwich. At least say thank you. Yeah. Right? Now that is not an ego thing. That is a self-respect thing. Right. Because mm-hmm. you expect at the very least gratitude.
2: Yeah.
1: But also, I could have chosen not to make a sandwich.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And and this is a an interesting thing. Like, okay, maybe I can make a sandwich or I did make a sandwich and then you asked for it and I gave it to you right? I was maybe planning to give it to somebody else or eat it myself. And because you asked me first before I decided to like, out of politeness, I might've given it to you, but if I'm giving it to you reluctantly, what is the point of me giving it to you or you receiving it? Because now I'm going to be mad at you for the rest of the time. You know what I mean? If instead I just said, no, that this was not made for you, or I can make another one, but just not this one. Mm -hmm. But we don't go now, to that
1: level. You say no, right? That's you setting a boundary that this is my sandwich. I made a sandwich for me. Now, however the person chooses to interpret that no, that mm-hmm. is entirely on them. It has nothing to do with you. They could have just gone and made their own sandwich. Mm-hmm. Right? But go somewhere else and get a sandwich. They came to you and you didn't match their energy in that moment. We could call it, call it that. And they choose to be mad at you. I'm like, that's on you. You know, right? So with all this, at the end of the day, it's all on how we process things. We could choose it to process it internally um, and emotionally hit someone else with whatever mm-hmm. is happening within. But everything that happens within how we communicate is on us. Mm-hmm. It's literally on us. We could say No. And however that person feels, and this is a point I was gonna make previously in terms of like the communication aspect. However, someone takes your words, that is their business entirely. If you choose to process someone else's actions, that's an assumption, that's all ego and pride, right? If someone says no, and you look at them from a place of anger, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Right? You could have, two ways could have happened. You could have easily asked, why would you say no? And then you get the point of view or you walk away from it. But you chose to go with the most negative aspect of it, which is, you're supposed to say no. Why? To me, all of it, oh, you can't say no. That is a whole, that something is wrong within your heart. Mm-hmm. And that's something which you have to be conscious of or aware of and work on. And I think that's what a lot of us on this planet have to work on those moments where negative emotions pop up because we didn't get what we wanted.
0: Yep, exactly. So I'm gonna take it one step further though. If someone does say no to you and you Mm -hmm. get angry, you know this is about you, but because you're upset, you don't know how to process it. You do something to that person that said no. So now that person that said no was punished unfairly for saying no, right? So I think then that makes it harder for people to continue saying no, to continue with those boundaries, right? So how would you help yourself even think of like, if someone said no, like to stop yourself from immediately punishing the other person because that's normally how we would lash out on each other.
1: And this is where we start having, hence why my friends and I have these conversations to better understand self. Mm-hmm. If someone doesn't understand how to communicate, or how to process emotion, it is on them to take that initiative to work on it.
2: Mm-hmm. And we
1: don't, for the most part, we don't, right? And a lot of people end up paying for our lack of ignorance of information or under, of self-understanding, right? Mm-hmm. It happened, and I'm loving the fact that there is this beautiful conversations happening more and more between female, male, other genders, blah, 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 having these conversations about boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. And I think each of us individually, these are things we have to start paying attention to. Because it happened, I think I was working in a club one time and some dude tried to dance with a girl in the club and she said no, and he literally just pushed her mm-hmm. to the ground, right? And I'm like, that is animalistic behavior. Mm -hmm. and not just from a pride or anger thing it's a lot from a whole bunch of things going within him there is so much going on that he needs to work on and that will only happen if he becomes self-aware or he if he starts having this conversation so i'm glad we are opening up these conversations um so that people start understanding and of course there's always going to be people who are backwards mentality that just don't want to listen Mm-hmm. right and for those people i don't i personally don't know how to fix that. <laughs> you know yeah fix that. i think they need to travel i think they need to like go meditate or i don't know
2: mm-hmm.
1: fine right again i've been one of the very few lucky ones who grew up around females so i've kind of had a better grasp and yes thinking back there were moments where i let emotion get the better of me but I don't think I've gotten to a point where there was a physical thing and I've had to go home and have to reassess. Like even mm-hmm. with my sisters growing up, when they tell me, no, I'm like, I'm the eldest. The hell you <laughs> mean? I'm going the there. This is like, you know, you go grab another one, right? And this is where the whole family meeting came over the pandemic because we went through all things from childhood all the way down. And like, my, my sister's like, you've always had this thing where you always want things to go your way. And I'm like, I'm like, okay. I need examples to have a better, clearer understanding as well. And they bring up this, like, you don't have like, it's not about denying it. It's about seeing why this happened and breaking it down. And you have to have that conscious thought to break it down. You have to make that decision. So if not, what's the point of even having all these conversations?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There are people who are gonna listen and they're gonna act like they're listening and they're just gonna go about your day. That means you've just wasted your time, they've just wasted their time. What's the point if you're not gonna take the information that you just got and process it? Yeah. But we have to work on it every single day. Again, to people listening, it is hard, mm-hmm. and that's part of it.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, I think it's interesting because when I first started this podcast. I knew I wasn't going to reach those guys at the end of the spectrum. You know, the ones that like are just denying it and want to stay in, in their place. It's talking to people like you that have done, done the work, right. And that are moving towards a better version of yourself that you have that you're in that middle ground where you can be influenced by other women. And then you can also influence other men to kind of just like help them along their way. Cause otherwise if everyone is just in their own zone, doing their own thing within their own space, we can't get to a better space in, as a community, right? Mm-hmm. So how would you change the dynamic? Because like, if you see something happen in a club, usually the big, the easiest response is some kind of vocal, verbal kind of like physical retaliation, right? You'd be like, you'd, you'd walk up to them and confront them and be like, what the fuck, right? or you do nothing, right? And then they get away with it. So should we approach it with more compassion? Because when I have, I used to start off doing it as like kind of like a man, except I can't do that, right? So I would just push back and then I just create a fight that I can't win, right? And then I realized, okay, well, I don't want another man to do it for me. So I'm gonna do what I can do as a woman, which is use compassion and Mm -hmm. grace you know, and then if you feel guilt when you leave, I've done my part and it's it's going to be the subtle little seed that I put in. But being a man, do you still believe that you should use force? Should, should use your no. physicality in the same
1: way? I grew up with all of that. Like, mm-hmm. I grew up using anger, force to resolve things and as you get older, you realize none of that works. The question which I always ask at the end of Any negative confrontation is what did you gain from it? If I can't answer that question, that's a problem. Does that make you feel good? Whatever you just did, did it make you feel good? Did it make you feel happy? For the most part, it's now, right? So if I see somebody, and again, guys have a lot of ego. I just had a confrontation with a friend a couple of days ago, and then they came back with a whole retaliation I literally ask them, "Is this what you want? Is this how you want to pursue it? Is this your purpose right now?" Right, and you can see the slight hesitation. And I know once I've asked that question, I could walk away. You know, because there's not much you could do to change anybody. All you could offer is positive energy,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that goes both ways, right? If I offer someone positive energy, I'm giving back something else that will i guess i've learned a lesson on that i just keep it moving you know but it will only work is if i actually do my part or if we all do our part in terms of showing compassion understanding because again a lot of the times when things like these happen where someone uses anger as a way to communicate or physicality as a way as a way to communicate it's an internal battle that's happening within them. And we have to recognize that. I know within the Black community, mental illness does not really exist. And these are things that we are slowly opening up the conversation to.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And these are the kind of conversations we have to have with the younger generation because they are watching, right? And I see it happen. I feel, I've walked, seen people try to find, like, what did you get from all that? Does that make you feel strong? Make you feel big? Watching that person now, does it, you know? Once you start asking these questions, you kind of, you, like, I feel like as a human, you will see that little change in terms of attitude right on your forehead or your the eyes. There's a little switch right there. There's always that little switch. And then you can walk away.
0: Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I used to believe that Fighting was the best strength, like an example of strength, right? Whether you use your words or your fists, like fighting back was what you got to do to keep respect for yourself, right? And then I realized, like the bravest thing to do is to put your hands down, right? Mm-hmm. Is to to not fight, and you walk out of that with peace, right? Versus if you fight and you failed or you succeeded, you still hold that anger like fighting didn't actually remove it, it
1: Right? I guess so myself sometimes I let anger take a hold of me I go home and I, I could literally feel I'm not even angry at the person anymore I'm angry at myself or allow myself to even entertain that emotion mm-hmm. you know anger within the art every teacher is going to tell you anger is the fastest emotion to get
2: mm-hmm.
1: you have to learn how to Rain it in, don't let that be the driving force in your action. And we just keep working at it. We just keep working and working at it. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right? It's so crazy. Okay, I'm gonna wrap up with a couple questions. So, what did you think of me um when you first spoke with me versus now after our conversation?
1: I think it's been the same because. When we, the moment I connect so fast with people I travel, like it's so quick. And I'm like, oh, they travel. It means they have a better understanding of the world and perspective. And they're much more open. I was like, this is cool. And like I said, no matter what the conversation is, so long as it comes from a place of positivity, it's, it's always gonna be beautiful, right? Because you learn a lot through conversation about yourself, about other people. So it does not change. If anything, it's just gotten better. And knowing that you were pushing for more conversations and advocacy, it's even much more beautiful, so much more respect. So thank you for doing what you do.
2: Amazing.
0: Was there anything, any topics that intrigued you that you'd like to invite another man to elaborate on in another episode on the show?
1: Definitely the conversation about what we just have when it comes to like the whole anecdote of sandwiches.
0: <laughs> the sandwiches, yeah.
1: Definitely that conversation. I think we need to have more of that conversation because once we do, it will branch out to other relationships we have, not just within that same space. It will branch out to how we just perceive everything and how we communicate to everything, how we internalize or externalize our thoughts. So, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I love the sandwich analogy. My last question It's going to be a weird one. What would you die for?
1: What would I die for? Ooh. I have not thought of that. Uh, <laughs> what would I die
0: for? Yeah, I think it's interesting because it, if I ask you, what would you live for? You can spend your whole life trying to do something and you can think of your core values, but what would you die today for? Like, end definitely, your life for?
1: Definitely my family and friends. I would like that putting yourself on the line for your family and friends, that's just just mutual love. Um, But also this thing where I have goals and I want to achieve them at all costs because I think, and this is my own thought process, that these goals can help us as a human race. So almost every single thing, everything I do, including art, it's a piece of a puzzle of something bigger. So, if someone were to be like, "Would you keep doing this, or you gonna like, "Well, I guess this is gonna be it." <laughs> mm-hmm. You know. But I think the number one priority will always be family and friends, and what they want, how to make them positive. Because i again, I've been a very lucky lad. Where not, almost everything about me has come from somebody.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. This whole journey, I will not be here without an entire village being part of it. And the only way to ever repay those people is to pursue whatever it is that they helped you along the journey to get to, Mm -hmm. to actually achieve it. I guess you're going to have sideways turns, but this has been like the sole focus. And anything outside of that, I'm like, I don't know what else to do in my life.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I love right. that, like recognizing that there's so many elements that added up to your existence, you right. know, and how many miracles have to happen literally every day for you to stay alive, you know? It's crazy if you think about it. It's
1: work, it's work. And we just keep moving, right? We just keep moving in, in positivity, manifesting beautiful things and, and just being grounded in uh, conversations with people and being very present. Being present, I think is like a massive priority.
0: Well, cool. This has been such an awesome chat. Thank you so much for for taking the time. And that wraps up season three, the third quarter of the 100 Mass Men series. It's been a really intense one, full of questions and reflections and interpretations. A lot of it about how to communicate, articulate your feelings and how to deal in relationships. What did you think of the sandwich analogy? is there anything that you'd like me to elaborate on in our final season of the series? Let me know what you think. Make sure to subscribe. And if you'd like to be on the show or know of someone with a unique perspective, slide into my DMs at Chan on Instagram. And I'll see you next Wednesday with more episodes of The 100 Masked Men.